Welcome to the New Dutchman Podcast. My name is Isaac Kamins. This is a bi-weekly podcast where my friend Jess O'Brien and I discuss internal martial arts, qigong, and meditation. Uh, in this episode, we begin our discussion of Yang Cheng Fu. Uh, Yang Cheng Fu is the grandson of the founder of the Yang style Tai Chi, and he's probably singly most responsible for it spreading um, out into the world. So we look at a couple um, little biographies of uh, Yang's life, and then we take a look at a couple of um, stories about Yang's life from Deng Ming Gao's book, uh, The Wandering Taoist, which, if you haven't read, is a great uh, sort of Carlos Castaneda-type uh, book on Taoism, so it's uh, one of the staples of uh, every Taoist library. Uh, then we turn back to Baiwa's uh, discussion of the Tai Chi classics and we discuss the concept of intent and how you use your intent or E to move uh, your body and essentially the, the whole thing of if there's up, there's down and how that relates to your mind. And this week for our uh, Patreon subscribers, we continue the discussion of the 100-character tablet in Baiwa's book, and we uh, talk a little bit more about Lu Dongbin, the author of the 100-character tablet. And for our premium subscribers, we are releasing a, a very, very, very interesting interview we did with uh, Mike McConnell. Mike McConnell was one of Bruce's uh, early students in Denver, and for my money, one of probably the best fighters ever to come out of Bruce's school. Um, he's just a really interesting guy. And we had a great discussion about his training with Bruce in the old days and sort of how, uh, you know, things have changed and think how some things have stayed the same over the years. So I encourage you all to go check out the Patreon. Uh, we got more interviews, uh, bonus episodes, all that good stuff. All right. I uh, hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks for listening and take care of yourselves. Welcome to the Neja Chuan Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to talk about Yang Cheng Fu, the uh, founder of the modern Tai Chi style that spread all over the world. So we've been talking about the Yang family and the uh, sort of, you know, best known teachers of Tai Chi. Um, and now we've made our way to Yang Cheng Fu. His life takes place 1883 to 1936. Um, so I think when we think of Yang Cheng Fu, we think of the guy who popularized the style, who went out there and taught it to the masses and translated this family style of, you know, fighting into a modern health exercise that sort of spread around the world. Um, let's see, it says here that he, he offered instruction to the general public at the Beijing Physical Culture Research Institute from 1914 to 1928. Okay, so that's at the 1928 is that pivotal date in Chinese history when uh, a lot of different things happen. And I think the the army's building up, the Japanese invasions happening. He moves to Shanghai, so a lot of people headed south in 1928. Um, so I guess that must have been part of him spreading the uh, art. He removed the more difficult movements from the form and he smoothed it out, made it easier, less vigorous. Um and uh, sort of just made it more accessible. So that's that's how it ended up spreading to the rest of the world. And so our trainings, you and I have trained together in Wu style, but I've, I've definitely been out there and learned a bunch of Yang style over the years. It's pretty widespread, ran across a bunch of different schools and got to experience it. But it's, it's pretty similar to Wu. It's more or less the same thing, just slightly more broad 
spread out postures is my impression yeah essentially it's it's the large frame and the small frame right of, of and i was gonna read a little bit about that out of uh, kumar's book power of internal martial arts he's got a little bit of young's biography here so it says uh says, before the Boxer Rebellion, the students of that generation were taught Tai Chi as a fighting martial art, and the forms they did were called Old Yang style. Forms and push hands were viewed primarily as useful preparatory skills, stepping stones towards actual ability to successfully perform fighting applications in unrehearsed combat. So they were that was when Tai Chi was way more of a martial art, less emphasis on push hands. He says, most of the Yang style done today, however, comes from Yang's other grandson, Yang Cheng Fu, who did not come into his own until after the Boxer Rebellion. When he was young, Yang Cheng Fu took up a dissolute life of drinking and living in red light districts and did not complete the classical combat training. However, he was very good at push hands. So he's, he says that that school is way more push hands. And he actually note there's a note here at the bottom. It says the story goes that his uncle locked Yang Cheng Fu in a room for several years and would not let him out until the young man could beat him at push hands, <laughs> which is, uh, I mean, several years. Damn. Yeah, yeah. But maybe wow. there is something there of like they, you know, his uncle was like, "Look, you better get good at something, and I'm going to make you push in so you get it right." Part of it is that um, firearms made hand-to-hand -hand combat less of a less, thing, yeah. and by the 1930s, it was damn clear that you know martial arts were for something other than self-defense right. mostly right. because right. you know that part of it wasn't uh practical in for most people you know and so um where push hands is a excellent way to show your skill without any violence right and and so what tai chi similar to judo right you're able to to show your skill dominate the other person win but nobody really gets hurt because most of it is balance based not strike based right you know it's it's all sort of from that position of contact right i mean right, my th right, right. my theory on on kano is that he saw some guys doing push hands and thought hey that's a really <laughs> good idea and adapted that method of training to what interesting theory but that's just my take on it but that, so, but, but that's okay. sort of back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, right? What is yeah. that? That allows you to work on the fundamental totally. skills of Tai Chi's two-person activities. Totally. But, and that's the beauty of push hands. It gives you such an incredible format for testing every different technique you want to use without right. having it's, to fight full contact. And it's safe, right? Totally. But, but at a certain point, it's like... Uh, it ain't quite the same. It yeah. isn't fighting, you know? <laughs> and so... I just think in in the modern times it, it sort of replaced um it's like the it's like arm wrestling or something, right? Arm wrestling replaced fighting in bars. You know, it was like, well, or you know, or whatever, you know, the pick your pick your sport. But like there would be some sort of activity where you would all right, let's do a, a test of strength that doesn't involve actually fighting each other right. and see who wins, right? I mean well, Kumar speaks to that right here at the end of this little statement. He says, it's equally difficult today to find those who can teach the martial side and those willing to put in the time and effort required to attain mastery. As we move towards the next millennium, most Tai Chi schools <clears throat> do not even seriously practice push hands, and even fewer reach the level of fighting applications. There is much value in terms of personal cultivation to be had learning push hands, 
and the fighting application side of Tai Chi based on calmness and clarity rather than an animal hormonal rush. So that's part of his spiel is like, you should preserve the applications of pushing. So I wanted to pull another story that's pretty entertaining. This is from The Wandering Taoist by Deng Ming Dao, 1983. And it's one of the few sort of fictionalized accounts in English anyways of Yang Cheng Fu. Um, but it's a pretty damn good story. And uh, this book's taking place in like 1920s, you know, that sort of 20s and 30s um, era. And young Quan uh, Sai Hung is on a martial arts journey and he learns that of the three internal martial arts, Taiji is the highest form, and its greatest exponent was Yang Cheng Fu, who taught at his own school in Beijing. Sai uh, Hung had known him from childhood because Master Yang had visited every summer. Sai Hung had always called him Uncle Yang, and the Taiji master affectionately nicknamed him Little Monkey. Now Little Monkey was in his early teens. Um, Yang Cheng Fu welcomed Sai Hung warmly. He was a large man, over six feet in height and enormous. His shaved head was like a bullet and his compact face and heavy forehead looked impervious to injury. Sai Hung knew that his old uncle had two sides to his personality. One side he had heard of, but had not yet seen. Yang Chenfu was reputed to be a devastating and merciless fighter. The other side was refined and scholarly, and there was this gentle, soft-spoken, bespeckled, and almost bookwormish personality he knew who greeted Sai Hung. So that's uh, a little description of Master Yang's, this big, huge, imposing figure. Well, he, I mean, you can see in the photographs of the guy, he was, he was a big boy. You know? Yeah. He, did, he has that, he does have that kind of like, yeah, no neck kind of, you know, just head to shoulders thing. And it's just like, yeah, you could hit that dude with a two by four and it probably wouldn't do much. So in the following weeks, he, the bespeckled young Cheng Fu introduced Sai Hung to Taiji Chen. It was a complete system of therapeutic, physical exercise, meditation, and martial art. In living up to its name, which meant the great ultimate fist, Taiji used a wide-ranging set of practices. Aside from its unusual slow-moving set, Taiji had its own qigong, standing and sitting meditations, Taiji ruler, and the Taiji spheres that are being three-foot diameter stone spheres that were rolled around the practitioner's leg and a smaller sphere to develop the palms and fingers by rolling it on a concave table. That's interesting. Wow. Um, so it's, it, it says, all the techniques increased and trained internal energy until the practitioner could open his meridians and psychic centers. So, and I thought that was a pretty, in, you know, that's a pretty out there description of Tai Chi. Like a lot of times we think of it as just, a, you know, energy and movement, but. Um, that's a decent description of what. Yeah, I like it because it's a little mystical and it's a little legit at the same time right so i wanted to read a little bit more because this connects with some of the stuff that baihua has been saying in uh in this he says with these practices the taiji set became a moving meditation that set into motion the microcosmic orbit which vertically encircled the torso and the macrocosmic orbit a circuit through all four limbs the internal energy traveling through these circuits naturally spilled into connecting meridians, powered the psychic centers, and massed potential human energy to tidal wave force. As a healing element, this flow of energy increased circulation, calmed the mind, relaxed the muscles, and healed the nervous, organic, and skeletal problems. As a force for fighting, its use allowed internal energy, not muscular force, to defeat the opponent. When a Taiji master struck an enemy... His internal energy entered into the enemy's body, destroying body tissue more than a physical blow could ever do. 
That's dope. So it's yeah, like yeah, this I mean, internal I, energy, a microcosmic orbit is what it's all about, right? Yeah, well, I don't know if the guy was any good at it, but he was damn good at talking about it because <laughs> yeah. that's that's a great description. Yeah. No, that's oh, I yeah. mean that's ex Sick. that's exactly the um point that Bywall makes over and over essentially mm. is that you know the the microcosmic orbit is the primary thing that you're doing. But I also like that he throws in the macrocosmic being the mm, arms being and legs. A, so a larger circulation that goes further distance around you, basically. He's describing, I mean, pretty much the the you know standard procedure that you would go through to do Tai Chi Chuan. Yeah, I like the way uh, Deng Mingdao writes it. It's a it's good. A great book. It's a less. Yeah, exactly. It's you know, I mean, there's a little action to it. It's not just like a boring dusty old book like he presents tai chi as this amazing wonderful life-changing yeah, energizing I, practice always, that it I, is I, I describe it as the carlos castaneda of Dallas, yeah, right? yeah totally yeah, it's it's it's, it's uh, not untrue it's just it could have happened like this you know well who cares if it's true it's so <laughs> right. good you, it's, right you know, exactly yeah. so let me keep on what with this topic but the revolutionary nature of Taiji as a fighting art went beyond this. Taiji advocates relax, relaxedness and lightness in contrast to other styles, principles of strength and heavy strikes. The Taiji practitioner remains relaxed and calm during a fight, not simply for enhanced reflexes or clear thinking, but also to allow his internal energy to flow unhindered by muscular tension. The relaxation then allowed the fighter to casually touch his opponent with enough sensitivity to, direct, to detect the force and direction of oncoming attacks. In turn, the softness of his own body yielded no clues as to his own movement. This was the essence of deviousness in internal martial arts. And I think that's really good because, like, it is true that being, you know, doing a softer practice does allow your mind to be more relaxed. But not just that. It allows your body to kind of feel what's happening way better. When you're striking really hard and, like, just swinging a haymaker, you can't really sense anything. Like, Tai Chi is the total op opposite of that, where you're being as soft as possible, even you know, making yourself weaker in the, because you get so much advantage by understanding what the other person's doing. Um, yeah, the, the doesn't matter what you're doing. I mean, playing drums, using a hammer, doing Tai Chi, Definitely. reading a book, uh, how you were, you know, if you can relax your body while you're doing it, it's going to work better. Now, relaxing is not the same thing as being soft, right? You can relax your mind and still be extremely physically tense. This is what, like a gymnast, right? Their, their bodies are not relaxed when they're spinning up and down, you know, upside mm. down, holding their shoulders up. But their minds are completely relaxed, which is what allows their body to do that without getting snapped in half. Right. Mm. Tai Chi is this step beyond that where you also try to relax your physical body. Right. And this is the piece about, you know, your intent being relaxed is different from your your Jing being relaxed, your 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 body, right? So that that that's the Nagong part of it, right? That you first have to learn to really soften your body while you're doing something um the the swing act swings arm swinging mm. actions are really energy gates yeah that's kind of the uh, most sort of 
I don't know, visually you can kind of see it because it's like you've got to be able to be loose enough that your arm will swing, but when it hits something, there's got to be enough in it that it doesn't collapse, right? That you you knock through the thing you hit, you don't break your arm, right? So this this piece of how do you find this, you know, total softness and total relaxation, but still have something, you know, and that's that's the real, I mean, that's the the whole thing of Tai Chi. It's is a difficult finding, quest. <laughs> finding that place is is a you know lifetime journey, but that's kind of what it's all about. Is yeah, you know, you're. you're uh, as they say, invest in loss, right? You, you're you never going to get it, right? Like there's, like, a, a, uh, nobody does it perfect, right? No one's mm, ever done a perfect tai, tai Chi form, right? But you get closer and closer to this thing of, okay, I did it with less tension. I did it with less, you know, push. I did it with less loss of balance. But the whole thing of accepting that it, part of what's happening is you're going to fuck up, right? That's life. That's just totally. how things work. So Tai Chi works into, this is where relaxing comes into it, right? Because if you fuck up or something happens that you don't expect, it's your ability to relax that allows you, gives you that, you know, half a second of time to go, hmm, what's happening right now? And then move as opposed to something happens that you don't expect and you just freeze, mm. right? And this is yeah, you know, back to that conversation we always have about gaps, right? Totally. And in one sense, the microcosmic orbit, right? This flow up and down, up and down. If you can keep that going, which is also your breath, but um, you don't freeze in the same way, right? So mm. when you freeze, that cycle freezes. So part of what he's talking about is, you know, that in, in martial arts, this microcosmic orbit is what allows you to release your body from the inside so you don't get stuck on the outside. And I think that's where it, mm. you know, from a practical point of view is really useful to think about how are you connecting what you're doing on the inside to, you know, interacting with another person. Right. Hopefully you are able to react better under under fire under pressure you instead of freezing you're you're able to continue and let your mind doesn't freeze up basically if your mind yeah. doesn't freeze up then your body won't you know exactly so the next thing it says here which i love too such sophisticated technique was fostered through taiji pushing hands an exercise where the student used students used circular movements by touching hands to detect their partner's attack and thereby pushing them over and through an extensive set of fighting techniques, practices separate sparring routines. In fighting as well as healing, Taiji was indeed the great ultimate. And Yang Ching Fu had to be constantly ready to prove it. And that's the description of push hands, which I think nails it pretty much. Like it's some of you know, we've been doing that a long time. Like I learned it ages ago, back when I was in like high school. And so to me, like I figure everybody must know it. But I think uh Taiji pushing hands is actually kind of unique in its own way of how soft it is. I mean, every I guess every martial art has its two-person flowing, but uh you know, you roll on the ground even in jujitsu or wing chun, you do you know the hand covering they do, lop sound maybe, I forget what it's called, but yeah, I think again, I mean I think the defining characteristic of it is 
it's not so much about pushing the other person it's about the sensitivity part totally so it really should be called sensing hands not that's pushing a good way hands, to put it right? yeah because the 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 i mean pushing hands is a thing right like if i want to launch you across the room and it's a competitive thing i would call that push hands but there's a there's a stage before you get into the like big monkey thing of i'm gonna push you and it becomes almost like wrestling or something that is really just about learning how to move as a unit and feel what you're touching um uh people don't have really good sense of sensitivity with their hands and and this is why things like body work and Tai Chi really go together well because they both teach you how to feel your hands and playing music too. Um, that the more you can feel what happens, like not just in the motion of your hand, but the contact of what it's touching, the better your kind of sensory awareness is. So they, they, they in Tai Chi talk about being able to think from your hands or think from your belly right you, you feel from your dandian is the, the phrase Bruce hmm. used. but that your hand is the it's the sensor it's the little thing at the end of the wire that tells you what temperature you know that actually feels the temperature right? yeah, yeah but your dandian is the thing that registers it right not your head not your brain that's the normal state of affairs is it goes from your hand to your brain but what you're learning in Tai Chi is how to let that sense of awareness from your, your fingertips go into your body, right? First, and then go to your, your, your head, right? So you, you get the, 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 the gut tells you what's happening before mm. your mind goes, oh, I should do something. Because oh, that's, that takes a lot longer. Right? And what yeah, an but, advantage that could be in yeah, so I mean, many circumstances. I mean, that's why most of the training in Tai Chi, they talk about at least on some level you know the connection coming from your waist mm -hmm. because it's it's that thing of it isn't just about you know seeing something and registering it with your brain and then telling your body to move there's a piece in the middle that if you can actually have your body have some intelligence mm -hmm. it will it will do it on its own without your conscious mind Micro uh, cosmic orbit can be part of that training of that that bridge between body, you know, the top of your body and the bottom. Like it is the that out, yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. I mean, moving on with our discussion of the Taiji Chuan classics, as uh, interpreted by Bai Hua in his book Uncovering the Secrets of Internal Power in Taiji Chuan. Um, we've come to the next uh, section here. When you in uh, the classics, it states this: when you intend to move your opponent, your mind must move in the opposite direction. And so Bai Hua explains it a little more. He says, here we are talking about yi or mind. People commonly interpret this as being about creating strength in one particular direction. But the more important aspect is how the mind moves in order to create it. Beginners are confused by this and can't find the right way to do it. Um, so here we are talking about the use of yi and your mind in the Tai Chi form and application that is at the essence of tai chi like this is just one of the most huge foundational teachings of the whole thing that makes it all make sense even though it's got a yin and yang sort of opposites aspect to it it really nails down what tai chi is all about if you ask me yeah and this is a critique in a sense because he's saying that 
people frequently think about this is essentially if I want my arms to go up, my butt has to go down, right? That my body has to physically move in order. So there has to be like a kind of like a, a, a scale, right? Something has to mm. go down for something else to go up, right? Hmm. Which, and he's saying it's it's not about a physical direction of movement. It's about which direction your mind goes. So taking something like the very first motion that you do as you start to bring your arms up, right? Before, even before they really start to move, your body starts to sink and something starts to rise up your spine, right? And this is the beginning of that microcosmic orbit, even mm, before your yeah. before your arms actually start moving, there's a there's a little bit of movement up to get it going, kind of, and that's the intent part of it, right? So, again, frequently people kind of bypass teaching someone how to use their intent by just saying, okay, well, if you drop your body a little bit, you can feel that hmm. sort of lever feeling. Mm -hmm. of, yeah, and there's some. Yeah, that definitely is helpful too. No, that that's part of it, but it, the the deeper thing of it is that you actually can move your mind. Right, hmm. this is the the E and Xing Yi, is same E, right? That that your intent, your conscious thinking mind, can move around inside your body, and that has uh, the way frequently we might say it is you can change the center of gravity in your body but with your intent, right? So I can make the pressure that's coming into me go up into my chest and I can make it drop down into my belly and my lower back <clears throat> effectively, right? So if I want to make my arms go down, I make the th thing in my body go slightly up. If I want my arms to go up, I make the intent in my body to go slightly down but it's, it's not like there's this balance to it like every time my arms move forward a part of me has to mentally you know energetically move backwards to balance that out yep. and it gives it more power when you do that yeah and it's not i think the way i would say it is people confuse that it's either or right mm. it's not physical or just magically doing it with your mind it's both Right, that there you're has that mind aspect i like that yeah. that has to be linked to what you're doing but it has to come from this place of intent not just you know kind of jerking your body around it's not just mechanical it's both yeah. there's a there's an energetic and awareness aspect to it yeah and that's what sets tai chi apart again it's like the you know, other internal martial arts do it too but tai chi is just where it's like brought to a masterful level of like there's so many complicated movements in the form and every time you go one direction or the other, your mind has to go the other way as well. Every, every time you move forward, your mind goes back. Every time you move down, your mind goes up and that's a, it takes a lot of concentration. Like the more you can concentrate, the better you're able to do it. And the better you're able to concentrate that benefits everything you do. So he ends with a discussion of uh, emptiness versus solid. So he says you want to, you know, this, he wants this teaching to focus on that your ability to distinguish void or emptiness from solidity. So every place has its own areas of void and solid, and there's always voidness and solidness everywhere. He says you need to make a continuous internal connection in the whole body without any disruption in order to navigate this void and emptiness. 
So continuous internal connection. That reminds me of stuff we've seen all along. Wow. All these different internal yeah, that, that's a hell of a thing. That's a hell of a line to throw in there. Cause that's Just a toss whole, that in there. That's a <laughs> whole big discussion. Right. I mean, it's, Everything we've been talking about is building that continuous internal connection. And all the internal martial arts all want to do that. Well, he's beginning to bring in the concept of what, you know, in English is sometimes just referred to as empty and full. Right? Mm. That you have um, on a physical level, it's like a weighted foot and an unweighted foot, right? But there's a whole, there's a piece about empty and full that's not physical. It's about mind right mm. and that that um some part of your movement has to be full of your mind and some part of your movement has to be full of your weight you know if you're on one leg right that leg has to have the 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 solidity that's your 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 structure right but your other leg that doesn't have any weight on it still has to have something i.e your intent in that leg right there, there's something keeping that foot rooted on the ground that isn't physical weight and this is a big thing in santi and shingi big thing in bagua when you're trying to learn how to walk on mm -hmm. one hand to a single leg type of thing and in tai chi it's the one of the main principles is that you always have this thing of what the, you they refer to as you're not double weighted right you're not using the weight of both things but that's not really referring to or not always referring to physical weight because you can mm. be double weighted in your mind essentially and that's kind of what he's talking about here is that you have to have a distinguished sense of fullness and emptiness in your um whole movement right in in turn in your as he puts it your continuous internal connection in the whole body right from posture to posture the internal energy is unbroken is the way bruce mm -hmm. translates this one right that as i move from point a to point b there is also something inside of me moving from a point a to a point b maybe not the same one as i'm moving externally and that's an important piece but those two things are linked um, and, and being able to tell the difference essentially between when it's there and when it's not is, is really a, a, like one of the main uh, sensitivity trainings of Tai Chi, right? Because it's like, it also extends later into your hands. You know, if you're doing a push, are you pushing evenly with both hands? Because if you are, essentially you're double weighted. If one hand is slightly less than the other, you're not. Right? Mm. This is another kind of thing of it, right? So this kind of it goes into a much deeper discussion, but it, but he's bringing it up because the, in order to get the sensitivity to break someone's root, you have to feel into their body and you have to feel their root you can't just you know think about it so yeah you have to actually have the sensitivity and in, in internal connection uh internal cohesion might be a better way to you know everything inside of you has to be one thing in order for that one thing to move something else to affect someone else right so mm -hmm. in, in a sense he's saying you've got to have 
pretty good nay gong for this to work. He's saying it's it's not just going to work if you think about it. There has to be mm. a fair amount of training in this, you know, stuff to be able to do that. Okay, well, good, good stuff. All right, man. All right, bro. Talk to you next time. Yep, yep. Hey, folks. I hope you enjoyed the episode there. Uh, Just a quick reminder, check out the Instagram for pictures to go along with the episodes. We also have a Facebook group if you're interested in that. Uh, And check out the Patreon for the interview with Mike McConnell and much, much more. All right, take care of yourselves and be well.